So we're going to read that story. That's, and this, th these might be some familiar verses to you. They are the Christmas story, the original Christmas story, as it's found in the book of Matthew. And uh, while the Christmas story is familiar, sometimes all of the backstory to the Christmas story might be uh, a little new to some of us. So we're going to read a, a rather extended passage here from Matthew chapter 1. And it, it just tells the original the original record of the first Christmas. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was disturbed with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you're by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found them found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I might go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there till I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. So they got up. They took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel is weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. This is God's word for God's children. Let's pray. Father, I just ask as we look at your word now that you would 
Give us insight into the power of Jesus' work in all of our lives, we pray in his name. Amen. So we think of the Christmas story, and you know, we, you think of this warm and cozy story, this, this perfect little baby born to this cute young couple that just happens to be hanging out in a, main, in, in a uh, barn where there's lots of friendly animals who are all, who are all watching in admiration. Uh, and it sounds kind of like a fairy tale in the, in the way it's retold. But if you read it in the original, you read the original record in, in Matthew and, and Luke particularly, what you see is something that's much less like a fairy tale and much more like a drama, much more like an adventure, and much more like something of a tragedy or a horror show as this little baby is being chased by this king and his henchmen and his parents are escaping on their way. And that's... The bad news is that uh, you know the life itself is no fairy tale, but the good news of Christmas is that Jesus enters into the drama and the tragedy and the adventure and the heartache and the difficulty that life includes for all of us and gives us hope even in the midst of the struggles that all of us are facing. And you know when Jesus comes into our lives, the Bible makes it clear there's going to be a whole range of experiences, just as Mary and Joseph had. But the promise is that in the midst of that, God will be with us. I want to just look at a few different responses to Jesus. And the first is the phony king, Herod. When Herod heard this, he was troubled. When Herod heard that the Messiah had been born, when Herod heard that the Son of God had been born, he was worried about that. Why was that the case? It's because Herod was sort of a puppet king. He wasn't actually the king. Remember, if you know the history of it, when Jesus was born, Israel was a province of the Roman Empire. And so Herod was play-acting as king, but actually he was just put there by Caesar to keep the peace. And he liked his job because he had all the pomp and circumstance <laughs> of being a king, but he wasn't really a king. He was really just a toady of Caesar. And he was afraid that if the real king came, if the Messiah came back, he would lose this pretty sweet gig that he had. And so, and so when he heard that the Messiah had been born, his first response is, I've got to eliminate that so I can maintain my position. See, he enjoyed his phony job and his phony life, even if it was kind of pathetic and a betrayal of his people because of all it gave to him, and he wanted to make sure that nothing upset the pathetic equilibrium that he enjoyed. So it wasn't good news to him that a savior of his people had been born, that a Messiah had been born, because that meant that he was going to lose everything. And that's, that's a warning for all of us. If Jesus comes into your life, one of the things he's going to do, he's going to take the false kings, he's going to take the false lords, and he's going to knock them out of there. And they're going to protest, and they're going to make your life difficult for a while. And so sometimes when Jesus comes into your life, when Jesus sets, sets out to take over your life, things get worse before they get better. But you've got to hold on to hope. But not only was Herod troubled, but then a real tragedy took place. Herod is so desperate to not have this king grow to maturity and take him off his throne that he sends his henchmen into Jerusalem and into Bethlehem to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. Look at verse 16 
it says, it says, when Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in the vicinity who were two years old and under. Really nice guy, right? Just said, I'll, I've got to do whatever I've got to do. If I can't just kill that baby, I'll kill all the babies, and, and he will be caught. So, I mean, just imagine how ruthless this guy was, how desperate this guy was, and how willing he was to just do anything to hold on to his power. But what this shows us also is in the midst of Jesus coming, in the midst of the fairy tale of the first Christmas, there's this stark tragedy, this stark reality of a cruel king sending his guys in to wipe out all the young children of these young mothers in this little village. And and all of this mourning go, goes on, all of this tragedy goes on. Just imagine being one of those mothers and just being collateral damage as this king seeks to struggle against the presence of the Messiah. So there's the real tragedy of these people, but then there's also real difficulty and real hardship. Imagine what all of this was like for Joseph and Mary. They're, they're just sleeping in Bethlehem one night, and an angel says, Wake up and get out of here. Look at verse 13. It says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is trying to search for this child to kill him. I mean, if I was Joseph, I would have said, woken up and said, Did I just have a nightmare or what? The king is coming after my kid to kill him, and I've got to run to Egypt? And so, you know, here's Mary and Joseph. They're, they're two people who are trying to follow God. They're trying to do the right thing. Jesus is in their life. And what does that mean for them? It means they have to go down to Egypt. It means they're going to be on the run. It means that this child that they've been given has some very powerful enemies. And, uh, and so rather than Jesus bringing in tranquility and, and serenity into their life, he brought more difficulty and drama and hardship and struggle. But what I want you to see here, you know, we see the trouble of Herod, we see the tragedy of these mothers, we see the struggle for Mary and Joseph and the uncertainty that all of they had, but all of them had, but all of them were part of a bigger story. All of them were part of a story that actually wasn't about them. All of them were part of a story that they couldn't even comprehend at that particular moment. At that time, life was difficult, but but God was working, and he was going to show them the significance in all of this. Part of the bigger story was that the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because the Messiah was going to be the final son of David. And David, the ancient king of Israel who lived 900 years before, was from Bethlehem. So, so his son had to be born in Bethlehem, which is why the, the teachers of the law knew in advance that when the Messiah comes, he's going to come from Bethlehem. And so, so God led them to Bethlehem for that. But he also had to go down to Egypt, it turns out, because Hosea 11 verse 1 said, Out of Egypt I've called my son. And so, so it was part of God's plan, part of God's story, for the parents of Jesus to make a run down to Egypt and to hide out there for a few years until everything blew over. So... God had a complicated story that they were all a part of and, and that they were engaged in. And, and this was the fulfillment of God's plan. 
uh, you know, it seems like it was an inconvenience. I mean, imagine the inconvenience that they were enduring. And then, then what happens is they're in Egypt, they're in a foreign country, you know, with, with nobody around, just, try, just hiding out from this king who's, who wants their, their son dead. And then finally the angel comes to him and says, okay, you can go back, you can go back now because those who are seeking the child's life are dead. That's verse 20. And so they get up and they start heading back to their homeland, back to, back to Israel. And they think, well, we're going to settle in Jerusalem. You know, the best schools are there. The best opportunities are there. We got this kid who, is, who, who has all these prophecies made about him. And this will give him the best opportunity to develop. And so we'll, we'll settle where all the action is. But it turns out that the son of Herod was ruling in Jerusalem. And so, so it says that Joseph was afraid to go there. Imagine that. All he has going for him, and he's still afraid to go to Jerusalem. And so instead, he goes to, to Nazareth, which is, which is like, instead of moving to New York City, you got to move to, like, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And, <laughs> and it's... Um, but, but that's what he has to do. And rather than going to uh, prep school, he apprentices as a carpenter. And, uh, and, that, and that's the life that God had for, for their son. But even that was a fulfillment of a prophecy that they didn't really comprehend because it said it was fulfilled through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And so, you know, we go through our lives and we see all these chaotic things happening. And I, I know for most of us, most of the time, a lot of the stuff that happens in our life doesn't make any sense. And we wonder what good can come out of this or what, 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 uh, how, how can this, this possibly work out? But all of us, like Mary and like Joseph, are part of a bigger story, a, a story that we only see in part from where we are right here and right now. So Joseph and, and Mary weren't part of a fairy tale, a little fairy tale about a cute little kid being born in the presence of uh, lambs, and, lambs and goats, but they were part of a high drama, a complex novel, a complex story of how God was working to redeem the world, the, most comp the, the greatest story ever told, the story of the gospel. And if you become a follower of Christ, you enter into that story as well. And it means sometimes you'll be troubled, sometimes you'll be infuriated, sometimes you'll be afraid, and sometimes things will be confusing, and oftentimes things won't work out the way you wished they would work out, but that's because it's not your story to write. God is writing your story, and he's accomplishing something through you that is greater and more important, more significant than anything you can imagine. In the midst of all this crazy stuff going on with Herod and this young couple on the run, on the, on the run to Egypt and everything that was going on with their lives, there's one other set of players in this story, the wise men who come from the east. And the interesting thing is, these people weren't followers of Yahweh. They weren't followers of the God of Israel. But they saw something in the stars. It says they saw his star in the east, and they've come to worship him. And they were not plussed by all the stuff that was going on. They were focused because they saw something in the stars, and they knew it was true. And so they made their way to Bethlehem. And there they saw 
a little peasant couple that was homeless in a, in a manger, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They stayed focused. They, they stayed within the narrative because they knew, they knew what was really happening. You know, when you see something in the stars, you know, that, that's, that's a way of saying it's absolute. It's certain. It is going to take place. And that's what the wise men were aware of. And that's the model and the insight for all of us. Because the thing that's ultimately our hope is not that our plans for today or our plans for this week or our plans for this month or our plans for our life are going to work out the way we want them to work. The thing that's ultimately our hope is that God has a plan that's greater than ours, that God has a plan that's bigger than ours, and we are engaged in that plan, and we are getting to participate in that plan. All through his life, Jesus was misunderstood. You know, he had his, his family misunderstood him. In fact, his family thought he was absolutely crazy and kind of gave up on him. And then he got these disciples, sort of this merry band of misfits who followed him around for three years, but they thought they were on the fast track to power and glory, and so they all abandoned him when he got arrested. Remember that? And then he was tried by the authorities and condemned to death, and then he was hung on a cross, and he died. And when he died, everyone thought, well, the story of this guy is up, the story of this guy is over, because the people of Israel had very developed ideas of what the Messiah was going to be. And by definition, there was no place in their understanding for a Messiah who was crucified. A Messiah was crucified. A Messiah who died was not the Messiah because the Messiah had to be triumphant. The Messiah had to be victorious. That's what they believed the Messiah would be. And so when Jesus died on the cross, everyone assumed, well, this story didn't have a happy ending. This story is just a story of another poser who confused people for a while but then was exposed. But if you know the story, Three days later, he rose from the dead. Three days later, he conquered sin and death for everybody who would believe in him. And the story is that he didn't just do this for himself. He didn't just do this so that he could be an ex, uh, give, give an exhibition. He did this for everyone who would follow him. He did this for everyone who would believe in him. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve to die. And then he conquered death by rising again and he's in the process of making all things new and that's hope for all of us even if at this time and at this place our life is more like a drama or a tragedy than it is like a fairy tale bible says that we're engaged in a story that's much greater than anything we can imagine if we follow him it's all going to work out in the end Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing us together today. I, I pray especially for those today whose life story has taken some wrong turns, who are struggling and facing challenges that they don't quite understand and can't quite comprehend. I pray that you would give us faith, that you would give us hope, and that you would help us to see in that baby who was born on the very first Christmas the reason why we can live with hope. Make that real to us. 
and help us to see the ultimate end of the story so that we can be faithful regardless of the chapter we find ourselves in today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.